Hey, welcome back to the Pastor Ryan Podcast. This is the podcast that comes out every week on Wednesdays, reflecting on who God is, what the church is, uh, theology, ministry, uh, whatever it is, you name it, that's what we talk about. We always focus on loving God, loving people, making disciples. What is true and what is false? How can we know the difference? Especially in an ever-changing world that we find ourselves in today. Let's begin to look at the Apostles' Creed. 1 John 4, 1-6 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Everyone listening, everyone that you ever meet, is a theologian. Theologian comes from the word theology. Theo meaning God, and ology is the study of or knowledge of that subject. Think about biology. It's the study of living organisms. Anthropology is the study of humans. Zoology, the study of animals. Paleontology, the study of fossils. Theology, the study of God or the knowledge of God. Everyone listening, everyone that you ever meet, has a belief about God, on who He is, where He is, what He is. Everyone has beliefs about religion or religious-type beliefs. So why is it important? Why is theology important? Why is knowing right and wrong, true and false, why is, is that important to us today? It's important to understand that everyone has religious beliefs. Beliefs about God, the church, the Bible. Because these different beliefs are in this, <laughs> this place that we find ourselves in in 2022. If our beliefs are not grounded or rooted in something, we might find ourselves confused, doubting, questions, and maybe find ourselves, like many progressive Christians today, of walking away from the faith altogether because our answers can't be answered. But what if we grounded ourselves in the truths of Scripture? Does anyone that you'll ever meet have every answer to every theological question you might have? Well, no. So how do we know who's right? Is the Christian faith right? Are Muslims right? Are Hindus right? Are Buddhists right? Why can't all religions coexist? Aren't we all going to end up in the same place? You've heard these statements before. There's a story which originated in India and is used in the Buddhist circle and Hindu uh, texts. It's called the parable of the elephant and the blind men. This is a story that's well known and resonates in a culture where diversity is valued and multiple perspectives are promoted. Here's how it goes. The first blind man puts his hand out and he touches the side of an elephant. And he says, how smooth! An elephant is like a wall. The second blind man puts his hand out and touches the trunk of the elephant. Well, how round. An elephant is like a snake. 
The third blind man puts his hand out and touches the tusk. How sharp! An elephant is like a spear. The fourth blind man puts his hand out, touches the leg of the elephant. How tall! An elephant is like a tree. The fifth blind man reaches his hand out and touches the ear of the elephant. How wide! An elephant is like a fan. The sixth blind man puts his hand out and touches the tail of the elephant. How thin! An elephant is like a rope. Well, as you would expect, an argument ensues. Each blind man thinking his own perspective or his own perception of the elephant was the correct one. Then a teacher awakens by the commotion, called from the balcony. The elephant is a big animal, he said. Each man touched only a part. You must put all the parts together to find out what an elephant is like. Enlightened by this wisdom, the blind men reached agreement. Each one of us knows only a part. To find out the whole truth, we must put all the parts together. The basic meaning of this parable is that we all have different experiences and truths, and others may have truths that we do not. Does this sound familiar? This is our culture today. But when you apply it to religion, the story says that no one has the full view of truth or spirituality. That we need all the religions of the world if we're going to understand the truth about spiritual reality. This sounds good. And everyone gets along and all religions can be true. We can all coexist except for one thing. The reality is that the elephant actually speaks. God has revealed himself. We're going to look at some ways that God has revealed himself. The first is, in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these days, these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. So we see that God first spoke through the prophets of old. We have the Old Testament scriptures. We can see what God says to his people in the Old Testament. We have his word. We have the New Testament today. He speaks through his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He not only speaks through the prophets, but he speaks through his word that we have in our hands today. God also spoke through nature, creation itself. Romans 1, 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them, humanity, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. He speaks to the prophets, his word, through creation. He also spoke through Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. 
and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Through the prophets, through his word, through creation, through his son Jesus. Jesus dies, he's buried, he rose again three days later. And in the book of Acts, we see the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And the Holy Spirit came and now dwells with all believers. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. God has spoken through the prophets. He's spoken through his word. He's spoken through creation. He's spoken through his son, Jesus. And now he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Since God has revealed himself to humanity, we can hold to the truths found in these places. Creeds and confessions help us to summarize the Christian faith. This first series is Apostles' Creed number one. We're starting a study in, our, in my local church, Mount Moriah Baptist Church. And we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed. It is a summary of what the Bible teaches, a narrative of God's redemptive love, and a concise statement of basic Christianity, says Albert Moeller in the book Apostles' Creed. You see, all Christians across all time hold the truths that are found in the Apostles' Creed. Or put it in this way, all Christians believe the truths about the Apostles' Creed. Some Christians may believe more truths, in fact we do, that are found in the Creed, but never less. The Apostles' Creed hold the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Ancient believers held to these truths found in the Creed. Many martyrs recited this Creed even unto death. The Protestant reformers used the Creed in worship and in teaching new people or new believers in the faith. The Latin word for creed is credo, C-R-E-D-O, which means I believe. Every person with breath has said these words, I believe, and they fill in the statement. These two words are two of the most powerful words ever spoken in the English language. Belief is at the very center of our faith. And where all believers start, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that he is Lord. When we trust the work of Jesus on the cross as atonement on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins, we begin with, I believe. There are many today who affirm different beliefs about God, Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. And so where do we begin? There's all types of books and, and, and teachers and folks online telling us what we should believe about God. So where do we start? The Word of God is our guide. From it flows truth. Truth about God, about man, and salvation. And so how do we affirm the truths of Scripture while confronting false teaching or error? One book says, Over the centuries, the church has turned aside uh, to a series of creeds and confessions of the faith in order to define and defend true Christianity. The confession of faith we know as the Apostles' Creed is one of the most important of these confessions. For long, unbroken centuries, it has stood as one of the most crucial 
teaching instruments of the Christian faith, along with the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Supper. The origin of the Apostles' Creed cannot be dated, but it is older than the Nicene Creed, which dates 325 A.D. The Apostles did not write the Creed, but would have taught what Jesus commanded and would have affirmed the statements in the Creed. Many Protestant churches today recite the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed uh, at a New Believers' Baptism. Many churches use the Apostles' Creed to teach new believers and students primary doctrines of the faith. But today, in 2022, there are many who are walking away from the Christian faith because they're questioning the historical truths found in the Creed. They're questioning Scripture itself. They have doubts because someone confronted them with other religious thought or belief and they had no answer to it. And because they do not know what they believe. Many of the doubts and questions have been addressed and answered throughout the history of the church through councils and confessions and creeds. It goes back to the elephant. What's true for you may not be true for me. This is relativism. This has permeated our culture for years. But for nearly 2,000 years, the Apostles' Creed has provided the church with a summary of core Christian doctrine. It guides the church still to this day with the truths that we find in Scripture. Each stanza of the Apostles' Creed begins with, I believe. Christians are a believing people. We place our beliefs in the truths of God's Word. The world tells us that truth is relative. What is true for you may not be true for me. This is false. There is absolute truth, and it can be found. God has spoken. And it is the same tactic the serpent used with Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say that? Truth can be known through the Word of God, revealed by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, for all humanity. The Apostles' Creed encapsulates these truths. Let's read it. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we dive into the Apostles' Creed, let us look to Scripture to see these wonderful truth statements that are found in the Creed. It is important to understand what the Word of God says in order to affirm the Apostles' Creed. If we recite the Creed and nothing else, it is like having an anchor in stormy weather. But if the anchor isn't attached to anything, we will be tossed around in the sea of relativism and eventually jump ship and leave the anchor behind. But if our anchor, creed, is attached to Scripture, the Word of God, it's as if we have a lighthouse guiding us through whatever storm Satan or this world throws at us. Here's my prayer for my church and for you if you're following along with this. 
two things I want to accomplish by walking through the Apostles' Creed, looking to the truths of Scripture. First, is to understand and establish a firm foundation of our most basic Christian beliefs in order to withstand the changing world around us. Number two, to look at how the church in the past has rejected heresy in order to reject heresy in our present day and in the future to come. As we study the creed together as a church, as listeners, may we pray that God would make Hebrews 10.23 true for us, that we hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, knowing that He who promised is faithful. Remember, love God, love people, make disciples.